All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Geek Garage podcast. I am your host, David Dassaw. This is episode number 51, um, and we are doing Better Call Saul part two, and we are welcoming back Zach Wills. Hello, Zach. How are you? Hey, everybody. How are you? Uh, everyone is great, including I. Well, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm doing great. Yeah, I, I, I don't do good with podcast intros. I never know how to handle that. Uh, it's, you know what, we, we just, uh, we, we do it as we go. We, we learn as we go. You know, it's, it's just one of those things you, you know, you just, you fuck up a lot and then you, you figure out, oh, like, Hey, that, that definitely didn't work because people laughed at me. Well, I'm, an, uh, I'm an expert at fucking it up. Go listen to my podcast. If you want to <laughs> crash course on how to do that. Yeah. I, I think you're doing just fine, pal. Oh, thank you. You're so, you're just so fucking sweet. All right. Well, um, yeah, so we a little bit of background about the current like situation. We definitely meant to do this all in one one big episode, but it it turned out to be just that. Basically, uh, <laughs> it, it turned out to be like three hours long, and we got done with it, and we were like exhausted, and we were like, How "Was was that even good?" Like we we just we just kind of rambled and so we we ended up deciding to cut it into two parts where we had the first part um which is available now if if you're you know haven't listened to the podcast in a while um part one is of course available you can go listen to it it's we basically talk about um better call Saul as a whole um nothing specific to season four and it is pretty much spoiler free so if you haven't watched better call Saul or breaking bad uh, we we do cover some things, but we don't get into any spoiler territory. So if you haven't checked out the show, then that's a perfect episode for you. Um, I will say that this episode will not be like that. Part two, uh, we will be going into some spoiler spoiler territory. Isn't that right, Zachary? God, I hope so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I figured this episode wouldn't really be a whole lot of fun if we didn't get into spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think we're just going to dive right in, uh, wasting no time whatsoever. So we're, we're basically going to three quarters of the podcast, I believe is going to be talking about season four. We're going to hit the, uh, the broad strokes highlights of, of the previous season. And then the last quarter, uh, I believe will be more of like season five speculation and predictions and possibly the, well, we predict for the rest of the show uh, mm-hmm. until it decides to end. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take a couple of the bullet points, Zach, if, uh, if you want to cover a few. Um, but uh, so <clears throat> basically in, in season four, the, the big, of course it, it kind of continues the, the trend of it kind of being split in two where we get like, the the time timeline and and story arcs of Jimmy, Kim, Howard, uh, Chuck, um, and uh, and basically everyone on that side, and then we have the cartel side, and I think we kind of uh, talked about that a little bit in part one, and <clears throat> season four is definitely no exception. Um, we we have we definitely have that that split again, um. As far as Jimmy goes, uh, the most of what the uh, the season is comprised of is him biding his time for basically twelve months until he's able to reaply or uh, an appeal to get his um, his 
lawyer's license reinstated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's of course not a given that he'll um, he'll get it right back after twelve months. He has to like apply and go through like the the process of convincing them that he's I guess rehabilitated or whatever. I, I forget exactly the terminology and wording that they kind of went over in the in the show, but. You know, he basically has to make a case for himself why he's, you know, why he can be trusted as a lawyer and why he's, you know, a good lawyer. Yeah. Um, so the majority of the the season, it kind of deals with that. It also deals with him. Uh, we see the introduction of the the like the burner phones or the drop phones, um, where he basically the phone the uh, sorry the the job that he gets to kind of bide his time during this 12 month period is uh major uh primarily at a phone store and it's kind of like one of those pay as you go phone stores which of course if if you can remember back in like the early 2000s which this is this takes place in 2003 is uh, those pay as you go phone stores were like super popular uh, oh, like yeah. like cricket like yeah, cricket and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, uh, Zach, I don't know what kind of phone you had, like, when you first got a cell phone, but, like, my first phone was a Cricket. Um, I don't even know if Cricket is a thing anymore. God, I, I think my first phone was a Cricket, like, that, that little yeah. that little shitty gray flip phone. That, right. That thing was the shit, you know? Yeah, no, they, they held up. They were, they were like, second to Nokia in, in like, their hardware. And oh, those little the, bar the phones, durability. yeah. Yeah, like my wife had her phone. Her first phone was a Nokia, and she cracked the windshield of her car by throwing it hard as out of frustration, and did no damage to the phone, but cracked the car, uh, the windshield of her car. <laughs> <laughs> like that is well, like one of the funnest stories to tell. I wish it was my own, uh, but it's it's not. Um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what Jimmy's doing in the meantime. Is he works at a cell phone store. And as soon as he starts working there, we kind of get that idea like, hmm, I I wonder if this ties into the whole like phone thing that we know him so well for in Breaking Bad, where, you know, we always see his signature like after he ends the phone call, he snaps the phone in half or, or destroys the phone. Um, he's always given like burner phones out to to people to, you know, securely make phone calls. So um I loved, That's, I, I loved the, the, the story arc of like Jimmy uh, introducing the burner phone concept into the community, at least at least in this area. In Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. It's like no, nobody had thought of this before. And he actually uh, starts really moving them because he, when he gets a job at the cell phone store, he if you'll remember, he, he gets like the first customer to even come in by writing in window paint on the window. <laughs> Privacy sold here. Or right. something like you never know who's listening or something like right. that. And like these yeah. big, these big like cartoon block letters and this, and this guy stops in and he, he's, he pretends to be on the phone uh, with somebody selling these things. And then he breaks it in half when the conversation's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, Just so the guy yeah. can see like, he, he's like protecting himself through privacy because he's destroying the phone and the guy sees that and he, and he starts asking questions, you know, and that's how he, that's how he generates interest in this thing. Fuck it. It's, right. it's, it's just so, it's so funny. Yeah, uh, it's it's basically it's it's classic Jimmy slash Saul that that we know that is able to kind of make lemonade out of lemons, as as we well know that, you know, he's taking this this situation that is netting him 
Uh, I mean, it's not necessarily not netting him money because, you know, he's getting paid for that job regardless of whether business is there or not. But, you know, he's like Jimmy isn't uh, the kind of person that's cool with just like, you know, slumming it in a, in a boring ass job. Like, you know, he wants to to be active. He's used to that life, that that go go lifestyle of being a lawyer. Um, and you know, he's got that, that, um, that flash and that zeal and, and showmanship. And, um, and so when this guy comes in, you know, he's like, you know, like he said, he pretends to be on the phone. Then he hangs up and he talks to him. He's like, you know, you never know who's listening. Like, you know, you, you only, you get these phones and you use them once per, and he's like once per, he's like once per call, once per week, once per month, whatever, whatever the situation calls for. Um, and he's like as vague as possible, uh, right. like to this dude, it's just really funny. And then like he eyes the boxes that are sitting on the counter. He's like, Oh, those are, those are reserved. Like these are flying off the shelf. Like I, <laughs> I have to set these back. I was like, that's fucking genius. Like classic Jimmy. He's, he's, um, he's a salesman by nature. He can't, he can't, yeah. it, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it's so great. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, so with with Kim, she um, her her story arc was pretty interesting in in this season. Um, I, I don't know if it was the most interesting that we we've ever seen Kim, but like you know uh, Ray Seahorn, um, I, I think that's that's how you pr- pronounce her name. She um, I don't know. She always always acts the shit out of this role. Like mm. she's she's so good, and um, you know she. Long story short, she gets super bored with doing the doing the the rise and grind with the Mesa Verde. You know, she she decided to start her own practice so she could be a sole practitioner and and have uh, have this big client that's supposed to net her all this money. And we don't necessarily get the impression that she's struggling for funds. I, I, in fact, I, I don't think that's the case at all. She's just she's just straight up bored. Like she's bored with this one client. And she's just making rich people even richer. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, she misses that excitement from like kind of pulling these little cons with, with Jimmy where they pretend that they were like brother and sister. And like, you know, th- that one dude that had like a few reoccurring roles uh, and appearances and breaking bad. And, and then of course, in better call Saul, like that uh, stockbroker dude, um, you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Even, like it, they, they met him, uh, they ran into him at a bar and they like, um, they decided to try and set him up or like they, talked about how this big trust fund they fell into um this i mean this was like either the season before or oh prior. yeah they, they were at a mexican restaurant weren't they right yeah and they ordered that big uh the, that nice expensive bottle of uh, tequila which of, of course is another reoccurring um uh, prop uh, what have you in the show that you know shows up more than once right but you know i, I think that the plan was to just con him into paying for their dinner which of course was like i don't know a thousand dollars um i don't know it, we were led to believe that that um, that ex- bottle of tequila was pretty damn expensive um but yeah so kim basically starts to take on pd overflow work from the uh, the public defender's office just to um uh, you know, kind of get, get a little bit more excitement out of, uh, out of her role as, as a, as a lawyer. Um, and she also pulls a, a full, a couple little, um, side hustle jobs with Jimmy. Um, 
kind of helping him out. Uh, I, I think the biggest one was was the the Huel debacle. Uh, where, Kushida, where, yeah, yeah, where, where Huel. Uh oh oh yeah, Kushada yeah. Um, where uh, actually Zach, do you you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, that, the... was, that, was, that was pretty good. I like that one a yeah. lot. So uh, yeah. J- Jimmy's a uh, slinging his burner phones out of a van, like a, <laughs> like a classy individual does, and, and a, right and exactly, a, and a, a cop out of uniform and just in street clothes comes up and he's giving him shit because he knows what he's doing. And uh, Huel sees this going down and he walks up and he whack, whacks the guy in the side of the head with like a <laughs> bag of sandwiches. I think it was right. The guy yeah. goes down. He takes off his headphones and Jimmy's like, the guy's a cop. So naturally <laughs> here goes Huel. And if it just, if you haven't seen the show, picture Huel, he's just a mountain of a man with a, with a head that just looks, looks like a giant toe. He is just, right. a, just a, a monster of a human being, just a big, big guy. Right. So right. he's in the back of this cop car and uh, the cops taking Huel away. Well, the, <laughs> they managed uh kim and jimmy uh managed to run like this put together this whole thing because jimmy goes to kim kim's like a legit a legit lawyer with like a, a big girl job and jimmy mm-hmm. just you know slinging his burner phones trying to get reinstated so he goes to her because she has the pull so jimmy or jimmy works out this con with uh kim where jimmy takes a bus down to Cushada, is it Louisiana? I think it is, yeah. where, which is like Hill's hometown, right? And he, he he's trying to figure out a way to write all these letters on the bus. He's like using his left hand. Well, eventually he starts paying everybody on the bus <laughs> with yeah. him to write these letters just singing Huel's praises and how great of a citizen he is and blah, blah, blah. And he gets down there to Cushada and he, and he mails all these letters back to the, I guess the district attorney's office and they yeah, wind up yeah. addressed to a judge who's, who's handling the case and they, they wind up on the judge's desk. It's like a miracle on 34th street scenario. <laughs> he even, he even references that. Like, are you prosecuting right. Santa Claus? You know, look at all these letters. The greatest right? line of all time. <laughs> are you prosecuting Santa Claus? Like that's the first thing he says as he like, yeah, the door off its hinges like all right let me ask you something are you prosecuting santa claus <laughs> and after the uh after the uh the prosecution's uh representation i i don't know if she is the da or she just works the da's office but she she leaves there and immediately gets her team cracking and start and right. start to reach out people who have written these letters well it's jimmy who's got a table full of burner phones with right. voicemails already set up and they, they got them, they got them numbered and labeled out. So, and he's got a team of who are these like interns or actors or like, I don't, oh, know, yeah. I don't even know who these kids, yeah. these kids are. Yeah. They, they have a semi reoccurring roles basically throughout the whole series. Like they, they, I think they started out helping him film like the, the little commercials that he would run. What was that guy's name? Uh, the old world war two vet, uh, Oh, uh, oh man, I I forget it. It was like, it was like I mean, it lefty or something. It's some goofy, right? But it doesn't yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. He's he's got these kids that he's hired to help him, and they're sitting at a desk, and the phone rings, and they they pick up the phone and they answer it, and they pretend they're a citizen from Cushada singing right. praises, and yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy answers the phone, and he's the pastor of Huel's church, and then, <laughs> and then the, the prosecutor. Uh, and it's he's using like this this horrible Louisiana accent, you know. It's like this stupid stereotypical thing. But the the prosecutor they they, she, uh, they Google the church right, and they have a website set up, and it's like Huel and choir robes in the choir, right? Yeah, painting, painting a fence like Huck Finn or some shit, you know, just yeah. like just really humble, just this uh, really wholesome figure that they painted him out to be, and and it works, it works. <laughs> yeah, Kim Kim is able to settle uh, because of of this. Big, 
this big con they put together to get right. the rule out. And it's that, uh, that, that action right there is kind of what springboards, uh, Saul Goodman's career because he's able to use Huel as a testament to his ability, you know, right. When he's in the, in the new season, when he starts reaching out to all just the, like the, the low lives of the city who are constantly getting in trouble, you know, ask Huel, right. he was looking at three years. The next guy, he was looking at eight years. The next guy, <laughs> he was looking at 25 years. And I got him. Right. It, just keep, it just keeps on going up and up. <laughs> he, was a, he was looking at 30 years and I got him down to probation. <laughs> yeah. They all want the Huel Babino treatment. The Babino treatment. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the 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 great thing is that like, as far as we know, that was all Kim's idea. Like she, you know, uh, Jimmy was kind of like doing his little wink, wink, nod, nod thing as they were departing. Uh, where Jimmy's like, "You do your thing, and I'll do mine." You know, don't don't worry about it. And Kim's, of course, like kind of freaking out a little bit because she doesn't know what the hell he's talking about but she knows it's not good like you know right uh it's you know most likely uh, something along the lines of incredibly skirting the law and and you know possibly breaking the law whatever um just to you know try and make sure Huel doesn't go to prison um, and she comes up with this grand scheme um, and it's just uh, you, you put it so well. It was just so fantastic. Um, and and uh, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's Louisiana, um, you know, Bayou accent uh, was um, God, it was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, really, really good in that part. Man. Yeah, like when he's like. The, uh, the the old people they they uh, they like to have the 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 Bible study right before they go to bed because because they like to read the Bible before they go to sleep. <laughs> God. Uh yeah. Um. But anyways. So. <clears throat> um. Uh, still on the 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 side of the fence of you know Jimmy um howard uh Kim uh, Howard basically falls apart. Um. W- we haven't really talked uh, about chuck at all this season of course you know like we said spoilers uh chuck dies um we we're told by or the the corners tell uh tell kim that he died of smoke inhalation and um most likely uh, most likely died that way before he really felt any pain from physically burning alive or actually burning alive um and uh, of course, uh, what what kind of kicks all that off uh, of you know Chuck getting uh, once again super depressed and possibly committing suicide is um, you know Howard giving him the boot, kind of like forcing him to retire because their malpractice insurance goes up after they find out about Chuck's little craziness and outburst uh, in the in the courtroom with Jimmy's hearing in the previous season. So, you know, uh, the, the guilt is kicking in hard this season for Howard with, uh, you know, really feeling like he is either the, uh, partially responsible or solely responsible, um, alongside the, the fact that just like one of his best friends for a very long time, one of his mentors, um, and coworkers just, you know, killed himself. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, 
definitely understandable on, on that part. Uh, but I, I think one of the best scenes in, in this season with him in it is when Jimmy comes in to, to pick up his check that Chuck left him. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's like, what, what's going on? He's like, you know, they're, they're right sizing. They, they call it like, you know, it's kind of like downsizing, but you know, we're, we're just moving things around. And of course, you know, like, uh, Howard's got like his tie kind of like, uh, it, he's basically a physically a mess, just a reflection of his inner self, uh, currently. And, and Jimmy's, you know, he's about to walk out and he stops himself and he walks back and he's like, you know, so just like that, like, you know, Chuck dies and you're going to let your whole legacy go to waste. And, um, you, you can see just as Jimmy keeps on kind of like egging him on Howard's like just getting more more and more frustrated with him as people tend to do with Jimmy um and then just I don't know he's like you know what Howard you what does he say like you're a you're a shitty shitty lawyer but a great salesman or, yeah. or yep. uh maybe the reverse of that no, I, I can't tells him, he tells him, you're a, you know what you're a shitty lawyer but you're a great salesman and Howard comes back yeah with, fuck you Jimmy <laughs> fuck you Jimmy and, and like and he's like that's it. Use that. And like, and we see Howard in like the very first episode, I, I think either episode one or episode two of the new season mm-hmm. of season five, where like he is back in it. Like, you know, his, his suits all pressed. He looks like Howard again. And he's like, Hey Jimmy, like, how's it going? You know, there's that pep and, um, you know, asked him out for, for coffee or for lunch or, or whatever. Um, so, uh, yeah. Do, do you care if I spoil something for you in the, in the latest episode? Uh, sure. Why not? Uh, I, I won't go. I won't go uh, to the good part. But they do end up having that lunch, and um, okay, yeah, they, yeah. They, I, they I figured that was probably yeah, coming. They do, and and Howard does tell Jimmy, "Hey, that was a turning point." Uh, that scene that you were just talking about, where he goes and yeah. just lays into him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. Does, I figured you learn uh, later as the viewer that yeah, that was indeed a turning point for Howard. Yeah. I, I figured that that was most likely going to happen at some point in time this season where, uh, cause you know, you see Howard and he's back to his original Howard self and, and you're like, Oh, it, it, it had to have been at least partially what, what Jimmy said to him, you know, giving him that kick in the ass. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this go, this some, this some really funny shit goes down that I, that I won't spoil for you, but I will say, okay, watch the the opening scene. You know how it's always something, and you find out what it is later. You find right. out at like the very end, okay, why all that's going down. It's funny. You're gonna forget because there's so much going on in the episode. But sure, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty good. Okay, cool. Um, and then uh, so <clears throat> on the other side of the fence, uh, with like the the cartel side. So, um, Gus, he, you know, doesn't make a, a lot of appearances in this season, but, you know, he's in uh, a good portion of it. Uh, and the the big part with Gus is that, you know, he's starting his, uh, starting the construction on his super lab that we all know from, uh, from the Breaking Bad days. Um, and... Uh, uh, another big part of Gus's arc in this season is, uh, using his own money to hire this doctor from, uh, what was it like Johns Hopkins? I don't know if that was ever yeah. established or, or, uh, or it was Johns Hopkins. you know, um, that, uh, where she comes in, you know, he, he hires her specifically like the best doctor ever for, uh, for this kind of, um, 
rehabilitation that Hector needs um, to get him better just well enough to where he's like his normal self, but not walking around again. And that's basically to the point that we get um, and, and the point that we pretty much know Hector as for the most part from Breaking Bad is... You know, he, of course, he, you know, he had his stroke at the end of um, season, season three, and he's uh, laid up in, in the hospital. Um, you know, the doctor comes in and, uh, you know, we, we have a, a little bit of um, a time gap, I think, about midway through the season where um, uh, we can we can definitely see you know some some time has elapsed with the construction of the the super lab and you know it goes from like one episode is or the episode prior like hector is still in bed unconscious in in a coma right isn't that what what he's in and like a coma yeah 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 um and then he you know in the next episode where time has elapsed obviously he's he's awake and um you know doing these uh doing this rehab with with the doctor um so so that's you know that's the thing and um we uh we see nacho basically become gus's mole because gus becomes wise like he typically does uh to the fact that nacho was pretty much directly involved the only one directly involved in the cause of hector's um hector's stroke because Mm -hmm. he you know tampered with his medication uh do we know why i can't remember why uh why uh why nacho did that yeah um i think he just wanted out like he uh, i think he he figured that his best way out of of the cartel business, uh, if you want to call it a business, was if if Hector died. Um, okay. I, I I don't know if if that would be true or not, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's the reason why. It, it's just because uh, you know we we didn't have a lot of scenes with with um, Nacho's dad, but I think the relationship that Nacho has with, with his father, like is, is very poignant and just the small amount of time that we get with the two of them together. You, even with that small amount of time, you get the feeling that, uh, what his dad thinks of him is really important to Nacho. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the driving force, uh, behind getting out of the cartel as just aside from you know if you're in the cartel your your lifespan is um uh, vastly shorter on average than your average person uh, yeah at least we're led to believe that right all right yeah i i mean i can imagine and, and going off of this show and other similar shows where the cartel is involved so um but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's the reason why. So yeah, um, Nas, Nacho becomes Gus's mole because Gus decides to kind of pull a Jimmy and make lemonade out of lemons, uh, where you know he's like, hey, I could I could kill Nacho right now for trying to kill Hector when I need to keep him alive. I want to keep him alive, but you know the um, the the Salamanca side. Uh, the Salamanca family doesn't know that Nacho did this, but he does. So he decides to make him a mole for the Salamanca so he can kind of have an in on, you know, what the Salamanca family is currently doing with their, you know, drug business and all that. So he can try and constantly have the upper hand. Um, 
And uh, I, I think pretty much the uh, last character, aside from Lalo, we, you know, Lalo, I think is one, if maybe the only new character we, we kind of get in, in this season. Um, he is the, I think he's the cousin of, do we find out in, in season five that he's like the cousin of, um, of what's his name? Uh, Tuco. Tuco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're they're related. He's just a Salamanca. They're they're all related. Yeah, Every, yeah. Everybody's somebody's cousin. It seems like, right? Yeah, um, makes sense. Um, but yeah, we we you know are introduced to Lalo, and you know we only have a little bit of him, but we can tell that he's going to kind of be a a big player uh, coming up, um, especially getting a glimpse of season five so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we I I think we've only gotten about four episodes uh, this far as of this recording, but he's he's been a prominent player in in all the episodes this far so so yeah uh and, and then we we come finally to mike who basically he he starts out uh physically assuming his role uh, of like security and safety officer who whatever for for magical um you know that which this this role uh, was only set up to be a paper trail for him so that there is uh, you know, an actual job role atti- tied to the money that he's getting paid from Gus under the table for you know doing dirty work and and odd jobs and all that. Right. Um, and and so he starts out the season. Um, uh, Zach, I, I feel like I've been talking for a minute. You, you want to kind of give a rundown of how he starts out the season? Oh, that's fine. You can ramble all you want to, but it's just easier for me to sit over here. But my Mike's uh, <laughs> Mike Mike's role. Um, as far as the magical security consultant, I guess is his official title, right? So he's getting, yeah. he's getting these checks uh, for like 10 grand a pop, I think, or at least the one we see him open. It's like 10 grand and he kind of looks at it and I, it, it's, it's hard to tell what he's thinking there. Um, my gut tells me that Mike uh, being able to see the forest through the trees, uh, like he always is, sees this and thinks to himself, this won't do because you can't just send a check to somebody who's not doing the job. So he shows up at uh, magical locations and starts assuming this role, like you said, and he starts actually doing the job of a uh, security inspector. And right. w- when he's confronted about it from, uh, what's her name? I forget her name. Uh, Lydia Rodart Quail. Lydia Rodart Quail. That's right. So when, when he's confronted about it, he says, well, now you have somebody to put a face to the name. Right. right. And, she's like, please don't do this thing. And he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. And <laughs> she reaches out to Gus and Gus is like, just get him a fucking badge. Right. <laughs> right. He's, he's, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's trustworthy. Just get him a badge. So right. That's, that's Mike's uh, role before he is um, tasked uh, by Gus to, I guess, does, does, does Mike recruit these guys or is Gus recruiting uh, and Mike's facilitating the transport? You know what? I, I think, I think uh, Gus did all the the research work uh, for um, you, you're talking about the the engineering guys, right? Correct. For the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think Gus and and maybe other people, but I feel like we're led to believe that Gus mainly did the research on yeah. um, the the uh, what teams around the world could uh, could uh, undertake this job because we. Um, 
um i, I don't know it, it it's there's certain verbiage used like mike when um when they're talking and mike's like i need to vet them or whatever or talking about the uh, the security personnel that that you know once the engineering construction guys come in you know they would need like 24 hour surveillance um you know he talks about how uh, you know he would need to vet the the security personnel mm-hmm. um so so i feel like gus was you know mainly responsible for for finding the yeah the people. yeah so gus uh, gus charges mike i guess with uh transporting these guys they fly them in I, I guess they're all german the first guy was definitely i think german and the second guy was german i think seems like it yeah, yeah it we like i mean we definitely know that Werner was german obviously um, yeah so yeah yeah so mike's mike's new job is um trying to find a suitable I guess, uh, engineer who can put together a team to bring over and actually build out the, uh, super lab in the uh, mm-hmm. underground, uh, location under the laundry or the, uh, laundry facility there. And yeah. that, that's where, uh, Mike's story really takes place and ends. God, that was kind of a heartbreaking end. I, I felt like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a little tough. We, cause you know, we, we really out of that, that whole team of, of engineers that came over from Germany, we, uh, hands down got to know Werner the most yeah. um you know we, we we still didn't get to know him a lot like you know about his life and all that you know we know he's married and i don't think they ha- him and his wife have kids but you know it it, it kind of starts out where like he's we get the impression that he's kind of like a, a strong like mentally you know kind of guy where like you know he's he's there to um kind of he's he's there to look over his guys make sure that they don't get into any trouble and they do their job and so we're led to believe that Werner's not going to really be the liability here but he ends up uh, of course in the very end being the biggest liability right um yeah um it's uh i mean it sucks because you get really attached to Werner and i mean uh we, we the viewer have the kind of the benefit of knowing or at least being able to anticipate where the story goes. And we know we don't see a team of German engineers in Breaking Bad, right? So we, we, mm-hmm. know, we know that these guys, either they either finish the job or, you know, some might not make it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it, the whole time, I guess, starting from, well, it was probably mid-season, right? Six through ten. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, so yeah. the whole time, not only is Mike getting to know Werner, but he's also going to bat for him over right. and, like more than once, right? Oh, yeah. Werner's covering for... Uh, one little shithead Kai, who's just a troublemaker in the group. Right. And then Mike's constantly covering uh, for Werner much in the same way. Werner's uh, sticking up for Kai and right. Just, just putting himself on the line just so he can have the best man, you know? And I think that uh, Mike really felt like Werner was probably the best man that they could have found. And he, he really, Mm -hmm. he really did everything he possibly could until Werner just, went one step too far and it was, it, it wasn't up to Mike anymore. You know, Gus, uh, right. Gus made the call and Werner, Werner had to go. And I think the last, um, last, I don't know, the last uh, favor that Mike could do for Werner was to do it himself. He, told, right. he tells Gus, I'll take care of it. And I, I think that was him uh, protecting Werner one last time. He, he, he yeah. let him call his wife, uh, which probably, wouldn't have happened who had just flown over to the States. He, he lets him call her and save her life by telling her to go back immediately. And, right. Cause, yeah. Cause they were tailing her or they, they were going to be like at the, at the airport waiting for her and yeah, basically yeah. Um, just, just tail her to wherever she was going to go, which I think was going to be like a hotel, 
that that they he found him at and, yeah yeah um, so and it, it, he did him the favor too of uh i guess just making it quick you know just right one to the back of the head and it was over yeah yeah uh like, yeah like you said that was that's pretty rough but i mean a fucking fantastic um display of storytelling um despite how you know unfortunately tragic it was um they just they told that story so well like you know this wasn't the most action-packed season of of the the series so far and you know better call Saul it's not really you know an action-packed show anyways but um i i feel like this was kind of like a little bit more down tempo yeah. from from previous seasons which was uh i respected and i understood because you kind of have to um it's it's the wax and wane situation where you know you have such a a crazy cliffhanger from season three of chuck where you know you realize that he's you know like kicking the lantern over and setting his house on fire and he, you're thinking oh my god like he's probably gotta fucking die and uh and so you have the heaviness of that um and so yeah it kind of made sense for this season to be a little bit more i guess down tempo and a little bit more uh, chill uh, i guess i i I'm, chill is isn't the right word but you know um it was it was definitely a little different but i appreciated the the direction that they took it in and um and everything that happened so um yeah uh do uh do do you have anything else to uh to speak on before we kind of get into uh, some of our favorite parts of the season? No, no, I think we hit most of the high points that I that seem to stick to my mind. Cool. Um, do uh do you want to take the lead with this, or you you want me to name off a, a first a favorite a couple couple of my favorite points? Yeah, you run it. Okay. So um, let's see. So as far uh, while we're on the topic of Mike, um, I, I definitely say that uh, my my favorite two parts are uh, you know like we just said his uh, his arc with Werner like kind of like going from a strictly professional relationship like we know Mike to do uh, time and time again to a little bit more personal um, and we we get to see a a side of Mike that we really only get to see for the most part when he's with either, uh, with Kaylee or, uh, with Kaylee's mom, his, uh, Mike's, um, you know, his deceased son's, uh, wife. Uh, I always forget her name. I I don't know why I can't remember her name. Like I can remember everyone, all the other characters names, but yeah, um, yeah. Um, but but yeah that uh his his arc with with Werner is really really great uh, obviously and then the, just the the scene uh, a couple scenes we get with him uh running security at Madrigal you know just like uh <laughs> talking to the the like the the foreman uh of the warehouse like uh the couple couple episodes in like around t- uh, episode 4 or 5 uh you know, where he's about to like walk away. He's like, all right, I'll make another. He's like, I'm not done yet. 
and uh and, and then like the the whole spiel that he goes on for like three minutes at the i, I think it's just in the the very first episode where you know he's naming off like you know this needs to be fixed and you know this guy's not wearing a hard hat and the you know the, the chemical sheets are you know out of order or this that and the other thing and um that that whole thing was uh they, they really took advantage of the um, the essence of what a first episode of a season should be. And, and traditionally I think it's a little bit more fun and lighthearted. Um, and, and then they kind of use the, the, the deeper cut episodes of a season to get into more of the serious stuff. So traditionally the, you know, the first episode is a little bit more light and they really took advantage of this with, with Mike. So I thought that was really great. Um, the, uh, the phone hustling with Jimmy, I thought was, was really good. Uh, the, I, I think my, my favorite was, was when he got uh, revenge on the teens who initially jumped him after a, uh, what we were led to believe a really successful night of hustling and slinging burner phones. And then, you know, uh, the, was the episode. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, the, and of course he gets jumped by the, the teens that he tries to sell to at the beginning of the night. Um, and then the, I guess is either the next episode or the episode after that, they, uh, he, he goes up to him again. He's like, Hey, you know, let's strike a deal. Like all, you know, every night I'm out here, I'll give you each a hundred bucks or something like that. And he's like, why, why won't, why wouldn't we just like roll you right now and, and take all your money. And, and he's like, well, I'm talking about like a constant influx of cash and they're still not having it. Uh, so they, they decide to, uh, or he runs runs away and they chase after him. And of course they, uh, they block the, the kids in, we got Huel and, uh, we, we discussed this, uh, the last episode, the yeah, parts we that we had to cut out. I don't think we learned who that guy is. Yeah. It's, it's Huel and some other guy with like a, a beard, a goatee that is, you know, about the size of Huel. And we just, we have, I mean, it, it, Anyone out there that's listening, if you know who this guy is, uh, if he's shown up in either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul and we're just missing it, like, feel free to let us know because we we don't know who it is. Uh, we could easily, like, Google it, but, um, you know, what's what's the fun in that? I tried to Google it. Uh, I, couldn't figure, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, really? Okay, well, shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, bad at Googling. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you can you can join my fan club. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, then uh, of course that that uh, episode kind of closes out with Jimmy uh, using Huel and the other guy to strong arm the teens as they're tied up upside down, which was filmed fantastically, by the way. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I, I know you're uh, Zach. You're a fan of um, the way that the majority of Better Call Saul is shot. Yeah, uh, like yeah. like we kind of discussed in the in part one but i thought that they uh, you know shooting in low light situations especially in in scenes where like it's supposed to be like pitch black with like a, only a little bit of light like they shot this beautifully uh so it, in addition to that like the composition of like shooting the kids while they're hanging upside down mm-hmm. um and like the it seemed like they filmed it like right side up and then like turn it upside down. It was, it was, it was very weird, um, but like beautifully shot. Um, and, and they really did a good job of like putting the fear of God in these kids. <laughs> uh, uh, and which uh, is cool. And the other dude just beating the shit out of like the pinatas and it's just getting closer and closer. And 
almost turns to like a horror movie for for a few minutes. It's, it's just like getting close to these kids. And I mean, we know that most likely nothing's going to happen and that these are just henchmen that yeah. uh, Jimmy is hired. But uh, it was still kind of like a fun, suspenseful moment that that we got out of this that particular episode. Yeah, it's it's nowhere near Jimmy's nature to orchestrate something where somebody would be genuinely injured. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, all. Um, uh, I, I just want to name off uh, one or two more uh, quick scenes, real quick, because I feel like I've been talking too much. Um, uh, with with Gus, uh, the the conversation he has with Hector as well. It's not a conversation. It's just a, I guess, a storytelling uh, almost, where you know he recounts the story of the the tree. Uh, that that he planted uh zach what was the name of this tree that he planted um uh, it, it was some kind of fruit that uh yeah it, it's it's almost like it was native to uh, uh to mexico maybe because i lucuma lucuma tree lucuma yeah. okay yeah so he he talks about uh being able to raise this lucuma tree uh, to sec- uh, to uh, maturity, almost said security to maturity, and he, he he says that he grew up poor. I don't know. I don't know if Gus was from Mexico. I don't. I don't know if we know uh, was from. Yeah, I uh, I I think he, uh, the actor is from Chile, but I, I'm not sure if Gus is is from Chile or, or Mexico. Um, so yeah, he is. Maybe he is I, Chilean. Or, okay. Yeah, according to a quick Wikipedia search. So he's okay. Chilean. So he talks about being in Chile and being very poor. And he's able to raise this fruit tree uh, to maturity and it bears fruit. And he talks about how sweet the fruit is. Sweetest thing he's ever tasted, right? Well, then he mm-hmm. finds out that uh, this 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 animal called a coati, I think it's called. Yeah. And just Google it. C-O-A-T-I, I think. It just looks like a cat-ish. Yeah, thing. big old cat. Yeah, whatever. But he finds that this thing has been eating this fruit and he... He, he traps the thing and, and in the process of it being trapped is a, uh, it, it, it's injured. And instead of putting the thing out of its misery, he keeps it um, ostensibly for the purpose of cruelty. We're led to believe yeah. because <laughs> essentially, yeah, the thing, the thing stole from him. Right. So right. It, it, he kept it alive to use his words for some time. And it just lived in this, this injured state until it died. Uh, an incredibly cruel thing, which, which uh, kind of reflects, his thought process and the decision to bring on this doctor from Johns Hopkins to bring Hector to a point where Hector is well enough that he's there mentally, but he's not right. there physically, you know, essentially repeating the same action. It, it's a control thing. So now mm-hmm. he, he's got Hector to a point to where he's, he's able to be present in the world, but not physically move about in it. And to, in Gus's mind, that's like the ultimate control thing. Right. Cause he, right. he, uh, Hector took something from Gus. Was it his brother or like his close friend that uh, Hector killed in season two? I think, Um, you know, I, I want to say it was, it was a friend. It's, it's possible that it was a brother or relative, but I want to say if I remember correctly, that when they showed up to, to that meeting at, I believe it was Don Eladio's Mm -hmm. uh, like little villa. Uh, It's not a little villa. It's a very big place. Uh, But he, he like introduces him as like his, his chef or his cook. uh, Who's, you know, the, the one that's been, I, I guess that, uh, main chef quote unquote of the 
um, the the cocaine or, or meth that I, I can't remember if they're, they're just dealing with cocaine at that point in time. Cause it was supposed to be a flashback in, uh, in breaking bad. Yeah, I don't know if it's Coke or meth either, whatever drugs. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, Hector kills this guy. And so Gus is, um, trying his best to control Hector and decide Hector's fate. And yeah, he, that that's, that's his thought process behind bringing on this, uh, doctor from Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, thanks for that summary, Zach. That was, that was awesome. Um, and, uh, and, and like the last scene, uh, uh, very, very close to the end of the season, um, Gus is seen with Gail, like, you know, Gail just, um, being, uh, down in the, um, in the in the, the lab of course it's not finished yet it just kind of looks like a big cave a big wide open cave uh and you know he's just basking in the revelry of how uh amazing this architectural feat is of being able to create this lab underground without anyone knowing because they you know they as we all know they they couldn't have any above ground activity they they didn't want to draw attention to themselves everything had to happen underground and all blasting that occurred had to be you know very um uh had to be covered up you know like uh, no one really could know that they were blasting and so like gail is sorry had to shut the door um uh, and Gail is just, you know, very excited about this whole situation. And Gus is not digging his vibes because he doesn't currently he's he's currently not having a good time. Um, you know, this is fresh off the heels of um, having to order or not order Mike or, or, you know, give Mike the ultimatum to really to kind of kill um uh, kill Werner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so not only do, is he dealing with that, but he's dealing with a behind schedule and incomplete hole in the grounds. Um, and you know, it's still not finished. The, the main engineer that was supposed to oversee that Werner, um, is, you know, is now gone and just things are not going his way. And of course now he has Lalo to deal with. Um, and like, he really doesn't say anything in this scene except for like, um, I, I think Gail like wants to cook up like a rudimentary batch of, of whatever. Uh, I, I don't know if it's meth at yeah. this point in time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he's like, not until it's done or complete or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, I think Gus maybe has like one sentence, uh, one, one line in, in this whole scene. Um, but you, you just like, it's just uh, another testament to, um, I think the actor's name is Giancarlo, uh, uh, S- uh I, f- I forget his last name, but, um, you know, the, of course we've, we've talked about all the actors performances in this show are just stellar, but he does so much with so little, um, so little dialogue. Um, and, and so I thought, thought that was great. That's um, probably reflective to Gus's, uh, controlling nature. You're only going right. to, you're only going to do it if it's done right. You know right. I mean? Exactly. And yeah. to him having a half finished, very expensive hole in the ground, isn't doing it right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like that mirror situation of, um, you know, uh, Gail talking about, you know, doing a rudimentary batch. And then we also have this not finished, um, you know, uh, super lab that he's, you know, 
not himself worked very diligently on, but has been the the pocketbook behind. Right. And, you know, and, and so I totally get his frustration. And like I said, his acting performance in this scene was spectacular. God, he seems, um, he seems to have like limitless resources, doesn't he? We're, 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 led, I know. we're led to believe that he just has like endless, endless amounts of money. I mean, he's a restaurateur, so he owns, God, what do they say, like five or six of those Poyers Hermanos uh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that, right. that alone is enough to put anybody way beyond well off, but whatever he's making in his uh, drug, uh, I'm going to call it a drug empire, I guess. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it makes empire. sense. Yeah. You know, you're just, it's just like, wow. Okay. So he's, right. he's got the resources to fly people over from Germany, um, set up a living facility for him for an unforeseeable future. Right. Mm-hmm. Just build, yeah. builds a shit from scratch, building a super lab from scratch. Not, mm-hmm. to, not to mention logistically what that must cost to facilitate all the, all the people you have on payroll I all know. The planning that's got to go in. I just sit there and try to like, as I'm watching the show, I'm like, okay, what is all this cost? I didn't, I didn't want to know. Like I didn't even want to try and add it up in my head because I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's in what the, the, the millions, right? Oh God. Oh God. Ten, tens yeah. of millions. I, I would assume. Yeah, uh, to make it, uh, to make everything run as seamlessly as it does. It, as the viewer, you're led to believe a lot of things. Like a lot of things are assumed. Like you, yeah, you assume if Gus is involved, it's expensive, it's complicated, it's well thought out. You uh-huh. assume that if they're meeting somewhere public, that there's not cops around. Like in in the new season, they're meeting at like a um, it's like one of those uh energy uh, or, or electric facilities like utility place you know what i mean and i'm sitting there right thinking, okay are, there's, are there no security cameras in this location so it, <laughs> as the viewer you're led to believe that if they're meeting somewhere public they've already scouted it out um if there if some operations going on it's probably really expensive it's probably right. really complicated and it took a whole yeah. lot of planning way more planning than we see as the viewer Right. Yeah. Just redundancies over redundancies. Um, so which, you know, it makes sense. And it, it's, it's, that's, that's the name of Gus's game is just to be as careful as humanly possible, which, you know, you got, you got to respect, uh, you know, all, all things considered, you know, he is a, a sadistic drug lord, but, uh, you know, he's, he's careful, uh, over everything else. So off the charts, off the charts, intelligent, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's the, crazy. The, the character, you know, not only is he effectively running a chain of five or six of these restaurants, he's able to coordinate all this as well. Like, right. How much mental space does that take? I, yeah, I know. I, I mean, it stresses me out just thinking about it. <laughs> I mean, you, you and I both worked in the, in restaurants before, so we oh, know yeah. the amount of work that goes into that. Like, right. Just being a server, like like those are literally what my nightmares are made out of. Like I will, a nightmare for me is uh, dreaming that I'm back at Olive Garden serving, and like those days weren't even that bad. Like in fact, they were pretty good. Like because I made a lot of friends, but uh, you know, I it was it. So anyone that's you know worked in the food and beverage industry, it's hard work, uh, and you're vastly underpaid, um, and you're basically banking on the 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 kindness of strangers. Um, 
and that's that's not a great situation so yeah so uh you know hats off to gus uh to a certain extent once again not glorifying his lifestyle just uh you know appreciating the effort he put into being a, a kingpin um zach what are uh, what are some of your favorite moments from this uh from season four uh, favorite moments let's see starting from the beginning uh mike's uh security searches we talked about mm-hmm uh, the recruiting of the engineering team we talked about. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, how, they, how they pick the guy up or yeah, they, they, they uh, give him a car at the airport and the keys are in it and he takes the car and he stops on like the side of some mountain road and puts a hood over right. his head with his bag beside him and they stop and <laughs> drive him and then drop him off in the same spot with a ticket in his pocket. I thought that was pretty cool. Right. Uh, we talked about the Gus's, uh, sort of unveiling of the level of cruelty he's willing to go to with the uh, Koati and the uh, Luca Matri story. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's see what else stands out. Kim Wexer absolutely laying into Howard was pretty great. Right. Uh, I don't know if we talked about that. Uh, she, nah, she, not yet. she lays into Howard because Howard uh, kind of dumps on uh, Jimmy and Kim at uh, their place. Uh, he thinks that he's responsible because he uh, for, for Chuck's death because he cut Chuck loose. Because uh, I think we're led to believe the uh, malpractice insurance got way uh, exuberant, I think. And then mm-hmm. they just had to let uh, Chuck go. And then he killed himself because of that. And right. Kim kind of lays into uh, Howard, you know, how, how dare you dump that on him? Uh, Chuck treated him like shit. Now he's supposed to try blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter, but it's, it's pretty yeah. great. Watch it. it. It's one of the high points. Um, let's see what else stands out. Let's see. Leading up to, um, Mike having to do away with Werner. I mean, we talked about Jimmy's comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I think we hit it all, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we did kind of, I feel like between the, uh, the the season four broad strokes highlights and, and kind of what I, uh, what you and I listed off as some of our favorite moments conjuncturally. Uh, is, that a, is that a fucking word? Sorry. Um <laughs> uh what we listened off no one's quite sure it's okay yeah it's um i I use big words so people think that i'm more photosynthesis Uh, (laughs) um but yeah i I, uh, one other thing uh i i thought of uh you know kind of going back to what i was saying about kim uh played uh like I think her name is Ray Seahorn. Um, she, uh, the, the argument that she has with Jimmy, uh, well, it starts off as like a heated conversation, um, between her and Jimmy on, on the, the very top level of the parking garage. And I think it's the second to last episode of the season where Jimmy just finds out that he was denied, uh, uh, from, from being, um, being brought back in as lawyer again, uh, that he was going to have to wait another year and reapply. And the, the guy just was basically straight up with him, just said that they, there was a question of his, uh, what do they, what do they say? His sincerity. Yeah. Sincerity. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kim, um, you know, she's asking him like, you know, what did they say? Like they had to say something, something else. Like, uh, you know, this doesn't make sense. And he's like, I know it doesn't make sense to me either. And, and she's like, well, what did they say when you brought up Chuck? And he's like, why would I bring up Chuck? And, uh, and she's like, well, you fucking idiot. Like they were waiting for you to bring up Chuck. Like, you know, he was a huge 
um, you know, a uh, huge um, presence and uh, and an idol in the 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 law community in in Albuquerque, and uh, and he was his older brother, and they were you know waiting for Jimmy to mention make mention of him in any form or fashion, and and he didn't, uh, you know, the, uh, his his like final thing was like go wombats or whatever the, the <laughs> fucking mascot of the the uh, uh, law of American Samoa or whatever that school is. Right. Uh, and and so they get into this big heated argument um and and it just kind of like a bunch of other things come out of the woodwork about how like kimmy uh, kim has finally um gotten to uh, the point of um you know frustration uh, or you know a lot of frustration with with jimmy's wanting to like skirt the law so much and just being really uncomfortable with it. And she's wanting to, you know, go about her, her job, you know, uh, as honestly as possible. And, and Jimmy makes the case for, you know, every time she gets bored, she, you know, comes to him, wants to roll around in the mud. And then when it gets too dirty, she wants to, you know, get up and, you know, get clean as a whistle again and, you know, get back to her, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, banking law. And, uh, and it, that just that scene was just was so great. Um, and um, I, I know I, I we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Um, you know, I, I told you about the the official Better Call Saul podcast that, that AMC has. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's AMC produced, but uh, they uh, I, I listened to the episode about um uh, or uh, listen to the podcast episode about this episode in particular, the very last episode where, you know, Jimmy is, um, he, he, uh, Kim gets him the, the appeal or, or, or whatever that, that final meeting where he has to, or he gets the final, uh, opportunity to make his case for, right. for being a lawyer again. And, uh, and, and, you know, he convinces all the people, um, that, that are on the panel to, to reinstate him and you know we get the impression that they're i mean well we know that that they reinstate him and like (laughs) did did your pyramid of beer cans fall over uh no that was actually i i knocked over a empty uh dr pepper bottle um (laughs) thankfully it wasn't like a beer can i i feel like that would have broke maybe maybe not but um (laughs) but yeah um yeah. And, and then like, you know, Kim is like really excited. She, she thought, uh, you know, there's this moment that like both her as well as the audience that we were all kind of like waiting for the entire season where Jimmy would finally have this, uh, awakening or reckoning that like, you know, he's been denying the fact that Chuck didn't mean much to him because <sighs> we're, kind of led to believe that Jimmy never really meant much to Chuck, uh, that they kind of loved each other in their own way in that familial sense, but never really respected each other. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, we see this like relief and, and joy and happiness over Kim's face because she gets the impression that Jimmy finally is coming to terms with his feelings that, that she thinks that he should have over, you know, that this connection that, 
he really did have with Chuck. And, you know, of course he turns right around and he's like, I fucking got him. Like, you know, the, uh, I, uh, I had him fooled and blah, blah, blah. And, and then, you know, he, he does his, like his, his saw good man and then walks off and, you know, he's going to, um, sign the paperwork to, to become yeah. a lawyer again. And the, the whole, the season comes to a close uh, as well as the episode um, with just like this fade to black on her. Um, and she's like the final shot. And what I was saying about the podcast is they brought up this really interesting uh, thought or idea that like uh, notoriously the shows kind of, the, the seasons kind of close with, um, you know, something kind of leading to uh, with like a cliffhanger like what is what is jimmy going to do next like what are we going to expect with jimmy next but this was the first time that the focus was like actually pulled to someone else and of course in this case it was pulled to kim in a sense where we're wondering what what she is going to do like we know that jimmy is clearly inching closer and closer to his Saul personality, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, of course, if you started watching season five, um, once again, spoilers, uh, you know, he starts to sign the paperwork and he becomes Saul Goodman, the lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, still retains the Jimmy name, but you know, he becomes Saul Goodman, the lawyer. And, um, and like I was saying, they, they kind of make this, this moment about, what is what is kim gonna do because she's mm-hmm. she's left there um with with these questions like is is jimmy like soulless like does uh how far out does this extend like this this feeling of like not having any sort of like uh you, you know what i'm saying yeah it's kind of like this uh th- this look on her face that kind of says do i know this guy like i think i know right. this guy I did yeah. not see that coming. Do I really know this person and who this person is and what they're capable of? But uh, if, if, if you didn't know or you're not really following the show, Saul Goodman uh, was the name that he was using while he was uh, slinging the burner phones and um, making a name right. for himself as a hustler on the street in Albuquerque. Uh, and that he just kind of kept that because uh, in, in his view, it would be easier for him to relate to these same people who were going to wind up in trouble with the law. He couldn't tell them to call jimmy mcgill but he could tell him right. Saul goodman because they already know saul goodman and it would yeah. be more easier for him to transition into representing these people it's, it's like he found his niche right he found his his um corner of the law where he can stake his territory and make a name for himself right um and i think that's actually a pretty good opportunity to segue into some talk about season five like maybe talk about a few things that we've seen so far and our thoughts so far and maybe some speculation going forward. Yeah. I just, uh, I just got caught up today. So yeah. Um, uh, what, what do you think of this season so far? Like so far I fucking love it. Like yeah, it's really good. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I feel like it's very much par for the course with what we've come to expect from, from Vince uh, Gilligan and, and Peter Gould. But, uh, is so far as it's been so great it really it really uh, is just one speed isn't it to, to take a take a storyline that precedes a storyline that we already know and love and be able to keep you just into it the whole time it has one speed and it's just good you know and I mean, right it, it doesn't it doesn't wane at all 
Um, it keeps you in there, even though you know where it's going to end up. Like something I, I really, I really want to see um, unfold is we know Kim's not there in in uh, Breaking Bad, and right? So we know there's a separation. I want to know what that line is because she, yeah. she seems pretty into it. Like she, she'll, she'll get down in there with, with the cons uh, with Jimmy. Um, mm-hmm. just on her on her own accord because she wants it, you know, just because she wants a break from the from the monotony of her day to day lowering job, right? She wants a little excitement, you know. So I, I want to know like where's the line? Like what happens? And I, and I hope I hope they do a good job of that because they can't just make right. it like oh oh I'm tired of you 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 low life like no you were in the shit like you yeah you were part of this. I want to know what that what that line is. Right? Yeah. I I. I you know, I, I think we touched on this a little bit in the first part, but I don't like to do a whole lot of speculation. I just kind of like, I like to turn my brain off and just let, let the information come into my brain. Um, but you know, this is one thing that I haven't really been able to prevent myself from thinking about is like the things like you just mentioned that we know for sure is, is in break. Uh, th- this is the situation in breaking bad um, in, in the chronological timeline. And this is the situation in better call Saul. And like you said, um, Kim is not in breaking bad. So I, I have uh, pondered many an evening. Uh, what, what, what happens to her? I, I have a hard time believing that something, uh, very bad happens to her. Um, you know, like possibly a death fatality. Yeah. But, I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel like, um, they're, they're kind of a little bit more removed from that situation. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past them, but I have a feeling my number one, uh, uh, I guess prediction for, for this is, Jimmy's going to do something to send her over the edge to where she's like, I cannot be a part of your life anymore. And she just leaves or, or maybe uh, she, she gets an offer uh, from another law firm or she moves to another law firm. That's no longer in Albuquerque. Uh, and, and so that's, that's how she exits the scene. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it really could be, it could be anything. Uh, it's it's very very hard to tell the you know both this and breaking bad were notorious for being uh unpredictable at times yes so i mean so let's parse it out we know nacho's around gus fring's obviously around hector's around lalo's not there right and gus has already foreshadowed that he'll quote take care of lalo i think um so we can probably look for him to make an exit at some point probably not um fortuitous on on his character's part sure um, who else i mean is, is howard from hhm is hhm a thing uh as far as i can remember hhm is not really made mention of in breaking bad yeah i don't know either okay so uh madrigal is madrigal yeah yeah, yeah uh, madrigal i mean it's it's pretty it's in the background i think the the one thing that i can remember um, the the clearest from the Breaking Bad days with Magical is in it's pretty close to the end of the series. I want to say it's in the the either the last season or the second to last season, but it's in one of the the cold opens. Right, I think they te- they call them technically teasers. Is the mm-hmm. you know the 
what's before the the um the opening credit sequence and and all that Mm -hmm. is where it takes place in that that german um it's almost like a it looks like a mall almost but it's all the uh it's in germany and you you see all the 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 stores that uh, are, are businesses that are owned uh, or have a stake in Germany and you see Poyos Hermanos there. Um, and you see the, the, the German guy who, um, the, you know, the, the police are like wanting to talk to him. And so he goes into the bathroom with a defibrillator and like electrocutes himself to death. Like, I guess gives him a heart. So it was absolutely Gus who was orchestrating uh, the Germans coming over. Right. That's yeah. why. Okay. Um, that yeah. And, and, and so I think that that was part of elect, uh, magical electromotive, um, that, that whole, that thing right there. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe they're, they're kind of like part of the logistics side yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of those businesses. I, I forget exactly how magical like ties into everything just in general. It's one yeah. of those things where like, it just plays out and you're like, okay, you, you know, accept it and move on. Yeah, whatever. Like, Wait. Hey, yeah. So is this the last episode or the last season? So I don't, uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, or I, I think it has been confirmed that this is not the last season. Okay. Um, they, they haven't confirmed whether the next season is going to be the last, but they have, I think they have mentioned that they're, they're kind of coming up on the end because, you know, they're in 2004 now, I believe, yeah, 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 yeah. which is pretty close to the breaking bad timeline. And of course, like if they wanted to, they could go into the into the chronological breaking bad timeline they like are, if they, they want uh actually hank and gomez make an appearance uh right yeah yeah i mean i i saw that episode uh yeah, but so you know they're I, already tying it in right yeah um so I, I mean i wouldn't be surprised if we see more of you know uh, specifically um hank and and gomi but uh you know just more tie-ins to the breaking bad uh, part of the, the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, that is one thing that I'm very curious about is uh, exactly how close they are. They're, they're going to get into, um, you know, the world of breaking bad, um, mm-hmm. whether yeah. they're going to just come right up to the beginning of it or, uh, or maybe have a little bit of crossover. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how it plays out, but I pretty much have my my entire uh, uh, faith rested in in their hands because they've you know they haven't really, in my opinion, they haven't done us wrong yet. No. So, yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Do uh. Do you have have any any final thoughts about um season five? Any uh, or, or or you know thoughts on predictions or speculation for for the rest of the season or series no i'd I'd hate to make any speculations i i don't know yeah don't don't want to jinx anything not really i i'm like you i just want to kind of disengage from right and and just kind of take the stories that comes to me i mean i i can't remember it's been so long since i've seen all of breaking bad like i think i was at I was flying two companies ago, I think when I watched all that. So yeah, yeah that was for me in, in the life I've lived rapidly is a, that's a long time ago. I can't, yeah. I can't think back to, I I, no. I would have to rewatch at least the first two seasons to kind of get a good handle. 
Yeah, uh, it's and especially binge watching these days, I feel like it's it's hard to kind of let everything process. Like if you just watch episode after episode, it's kind of hard to process everything. Um, so at least I, I kind of have that issue from time to time, which is why I've gone back and rewatched Breaking Bad a couple times after watching it initially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one other, one last thing I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, I know you and I were texting about this, but that scene with the ants in the, the cold open of yeah. episode three, yeah. really cool. Uh, so fucking good. Like when, when I found out that that wasn't CG, like it was, it was all like they, they hired like an ant guy, like an actual ant man uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, that lived in, uh, in LA where uh, a lot of the, the, um, the editing goes down. Like, the, you know, we, we discussed in part one, how they do pretty much all their film filming, if not, or, or most, if not all their filming at Albuquerque, but a lot of the, the post-production and editing and et cetera, that all goes down in LA, you know, like Hollywood, typical, you know, movie and TV stuff tends to do. Uh, but they, they actually filmed that in LA where they, they reconstructed that part of um, the sidewalk where Jimmy gets picked up by um, that, the dude with the, the weird big earrings and, and nacho. Mm-hmm. And, and so they reconstructed like a six foot by six foot uh, section uh, to, to resemble exactly that, that, that particular place on the sidewalk. Um, and then they just kind of like put it in a green screen uh, soundstage. Uh, so, and they, they just had, they, they pasted it in the background of, you know, the, the passing cars and all that, that and everything was screen. Oh yeah. Uh, it was done so fucking well. Like usually, um, usually you can really tell. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I find it really easily to, to tell with like the, with Marvel movies nowadays. Um, maybe it's just because I, I become hi- so hyper aware, but like, when when they 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 mentioned uh, of course uh, again this was mentioned on their the Better Call Saul podcast uh, that uh, you know they were talking about filming that scene because they for that episode of the podcast they had the director of that episode come on and talk about his process of gearing up to film that cold open and and how he didn't he was like you know I know it's possible to do it with real ants it's going to be fucking difficult but it's possible. And so, you know, he talks about finding the actual ant man. Um, and he too, uh, you know, it says that it's going to be near impossible, but you know, uh, still doable. And, um, and they, they basically, you know, walk through the, the whole process of filming, how they, the, how they picked out the lens that they ended up using, like this super, macro lens that you know you get these really nice tight shots with um and um and yeah how they they built out that little little mini set so they could um you know so they could film these actual ants on on this little piece of concrete set that they they built um it, it was just a really cool piece of insider um tv trivia to to learn um during that episode so yeah um it feels weird to plug another podcast on here, but as a, uh, Zach, as, as we were talking earlier, you know, I don't mind plugging this one in particular one, because it's better call Saul and two, they, 
they don't run ads <laughs> during their episode. <laughs> um, it, it automatically doesn't come off as like this insane cash grab uh, that a lot of um, celebrity podcasts have turned into nowadays. Um, I feel like, but I, that's I feel like all I do is plug other people's stuff. Is that like uh, is that like a thing you're not supposed to do? I don't know. No, I mean it's not necessarily. Uh, I, just, it's, I just do it because I, I I plug people's shit that I like. Right. Yeah. I, I'm much, uh, I'm like you, I'm much more inclined to plug like friends stuff, like, you know, the stuff that they're doing. Um, and then just stuff that I like, you know? So, uh, you know, if obviously I'm not really going to promote someone's material, if I think they're a shithead, uh, so. <laughs> you know, you have some really original ideas, Alex Jones, you should really listen <laughs> God, is that fucking guy like it, what what is he doing nowadays like i think he just got a dui <laughs> <laughs> uh fucking guy he uh I think I, I think that scrolled across my earth i was scrolling and i saw that here hang on i'll take in like two seconds oh my god yeah Thanks. here you type in alex and it's the first thing that pops up <laughs> yeah of course it is here, you got hit with uh, a, a dwi in austin <laughs> yeah good fuck him yeah, uh, piece of, that, piece of fucking shit. Guy. They're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> fucking moron. <laughs> the intergalactic child molesting space demons. <laughs> Instead of a pizza restaurant in DC. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a family show. This is a family show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, well, on that note, this is the Alex Jones show. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. Red face. So uh, shit. I'm sorry. Go on. Right. Um. But yeah, uh, uh, Zach, unless you have any final thoughts to give, uh, I think this is a, a relatively decent place to 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 kind of put a put a cap on it. Nope, I'll leave it. Go go watch the show. It's very good. It's worth it's worth yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, uh, if you, the listeners, have hung on this long and you haven't watched the show yet, uh, obviously you don't care too much about spoilers because we definitely threw out a lot of spoiler alerts. But if, uh, like I said, if you're if you're if you've hung on this long, like Zach said, like I've said, definitely go watch it. It's it's worth your time. It's it's amazing. If like I said to everyone, if you liked Breaking Bad, you'll love this. Um, both Zach and I have said on several occasions we we actually kind of prefer Better Call Saul over Breaking Bad. It's um, I don't know, it's just one of those weird things. But um, Zach, once again, thank you so much for for coming back for part two and just uh, being a, a good sport in general. I know that this kind of got uh, gone awry uh, a little bit, but I appreciate you coming back for for this and just coming on in general. Um, it's uh, so good of you to to do that, and I greatly appreciate it. No, anytime. It gives me a reason to talk to you too. I, I never get to actually yeah. sit down and talk to you, so. Yeah, for sure. And and thank you so much for uh for having me on your podcast. Um and with that do you do you want to uh throw out a plug for for your show one more time? Yeah, check it out. Much ado about nothing. It's a uh, podcast for the financially conscious, politically curious and all things nerdy millennial. We just had David on with a, a buddy of mine, Michael Painter, another guy. I guess I can use the word co-host. That's what he's supposed to be called, right? Uh, we, we were talking <laughs> about the, the Marvel Universe and uh, the movies and how they might tie into the uh, comic book universe, uh, more especially for somebody who is not 
familiar with the comic book universe and what right. it, what it might mean to actually dabble in that a little bit. Um, I I, uh, I tap Michael Painter for this because it's something that I'm interested in uh, that I don't have a lot of experience in. Just like I tapped Michael Thomas for his financial and political expertise and i tapped uh, our other co-host tim uh, because he's kind of a disney and universal fanatic as well uh right and i never get to go so he gets to go so i just tap three guys that know more about the things that i'm interested in and then i talk with them on the internet for me basically <laughs> <laughs> wow it sounds a lot like how i run my show <laughs> yeah I, I started it because it, it's it's purely selfish right it, it's so i can learn and so i can um talk to my buddies about things that I like, you know, I, I, we were talking about it before we got on. I don't know if there's any money in podcasting. I, I really don't like, you got to get to a certain level that right. I, I think if you work for a living, unless you like really go, go, all, <laughs> go all in on this thing. I don't know if there's money in it, but Hey, that's, that's not, you know, why I do it. So Zach, thank you once again. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, love to have you on again. Um, uh, definitely good luck with your podcast. I love what I've heard so far. So listeners, um, if you enjoy podcasts, politics and nerdy shit and money uh or a uh, or a combination of all three in some sadistic manner um go check out their podcast and subscribe go leave them a rating and review go check out our podcast leave us a rating and review hit us up on social media if you got any episode suggestions um once again we uh, of course have our patreon so if you enjoy giving money to total or near strangers uh know that we take all of your money and uh, throw it out the goddamn window. No, we uh, pour it right back into the, co- the quality of this podcast uh, with upgrading our hardware, funding trips to conventions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, uh, like always, be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake, and we will see you next time. Bye. Love you. Oh, I love you too. You never know what could happen. I mean, it, it could blow up one day um, or it could be a, a long haul hustle where you you just uh, you just gr- rise and grind for for years and years. And then all of a sudden, one day you, you realize that it's kind of become this big thing and all of a sudden good and big things happen for you. So hey, if I could get um, the beer money out of it, that'd be good enough for me. <laughs> I uh, I will glad gladly throw you some beer money from time to time, um, despite the fact that you live in another state. I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll send you like twelve dollars in the mail, just cash, like in an yeah. envelope. Be, be 12, like twelve dollars, li- living it up, man. I can get Yingling with twelve dollars. Right, you go buy some Yingling or Rolling Rock or, or something something good from the good old Wally World. Whoa, whoa, Rockefeller! Uh, I'm, I'm coming off coming off the Natty Light level here. Yeah, 24-pack for $3. <laughs> Never quite grew out of that from college. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's it's a it's a decent beer. Yeah, it's not. It's horrible. Don't drink that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, almost almost as good as a Genesee Light. What is that? I don't uh, ask go ask Andrew. Gen- um, Genesee yeah, he he told me about it. Uh, um, for listeners, uh, you know, this is we're talking about Andrew Nolenberg, who helped uh, start this podcast a couple years ago. But um, yeah, he he did this video a long time ago about uh, where, where like him and I think Connor, um, maybe one or two others, like they they tried out beer 
and and they just filmed like this funny video of them trying it out and like they tried out like really shitty beers and Mm -hmm. one of them was like genesee and it's like it's just in a plain green like box like a like a regular uh 12 pack like can box um but it's just like green with plain white letters like it's the most generic shit i've ever seen in my entire life can you spell it um uh, it's like G E N N E S Y, I think, or G E N N. Oh no, no, it's G E N E S E E Genesee. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, Genesee Light or Genesee Ice. Uh, Genesee, one of those. Genesee Light. Here, I'll, here's their shit. Uh, Our it, listeners are probably like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> the show was supposed <laughs> to end like ten minutes ago. God damn it!" Shut up. This is bonus material. All right. Genesee light is a true light beer. If you're looking for a smooth drinking, refreshing light, light bodied <laughs> beer that goes down easy for any occasion. Lies. That's, that's debatable. <laughs> the, the Genesee light is for you. Hey, are you at your grandmother's funeral? Genesee light or your second cousin's wedding? Genesee light. Oh my God. <laughs> Watch, watch me get an email in a couple days from Genesee. Be like, hey, would you like an affiliate link? Hey, take that money, son. <laughs> right. 